A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Here in the Rugby Dungeon, once again, as we are, 52 weeks of the year, making sure you get your rugby fix. 52 weeks of the year, as we have been doing for nearly 10 years. And, you know, just remember that. Just When, when the World Cup draws nearer and other grassroots podcasters start crawling out of the woodwork saying how much they love rugby and oh isn't so the world excited. cup great isn't the world cup great just remember it's like no i, I will admit i will admit being as the wimbledon finals on as we record this video and uh, i watch tennis two weeks of the year and mm. I, get, I get into well, it for wimbledon and i don't care about it the rest of the year i'm so glad you mentioned that but i wouldn't make a podcast about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah fair, fair, fair. <laughs> well it's a very interesting point you make here because i posed questions to my friends earlier on Tennis is clearly compelling, right? It's clearly compelling. So why does no one watch it? Like, what can we learn from the fact that tennis is only big once a year? In fact, is that is that what we should learn? Is that rugby shouldn't try and be compelling for fifty-two weeks of the year? It should be compelling for six weeks of the year and then shut and sh- shut up shop. That's an interesting point, and it's the mm. same as when you watch the whether it's Ryder Cup or the Open Golf. There's something about watching. Because for all intents and purposes, those shots are the same as you would see on any PGA yeah. Tour match in, in golf or any ATP Tour match in tennis. But the, the compelling nature comes from the context that that game is operating in when you know there's something serious on the line. Or is it? And, so, you, and you connect it to the history and, and yeah. all that. Uh, so it's one of two things, I reckon. Maybe it's the quality of the production and how seriously the commentators are taking it. So do you know when you watch some... You know, random tennis tournament in the middle of nowhere. Like, it does feel like it's a random tennis tournament. There's, there's no crowd there. The commentators are very blase about it, but they're not blase in Wimbledon. And you get that same feeling in, in like Six Nations. Like Six Nations, everyone's super serious. Or is it the fact that yeah, it just needs to be an event? And it, is it the fact the that because I, I I agree with that point that it's the event, like the event, like the Six Nations, like the World Cup, like Wimbledon. Um, like the Masters, Augusta Masters, or any, anything of that magnitude, which there's only a handful in any sport, like the Super Bowl, um, or or how much of it is you could make that much production, as you say, JB, yeah. around any event 
and it's just the fact that this Wimbledon is accessible. It's on BBC. It's the headline on BBC iPlayer. Yeah. Whereas to go and watch tennis three months ago, you'd have to actively seek it out on the um, Sky Channel 508 or whatever it was. Maybe. Yeah. I think there's more to it than just the occasion and stuff because we've all seen, and link, you know, keeping this in a rugby context, we've all seen clubs make an effort to do create a razzmatazz around a game and it just comes off as naff. <laughs> well, yeah, it does. Although, can I just say... The, the commentary team, which really did a good job. Uh, okay, there's three sports that have done a good good, good job of this. NFL, because I remember watching the NFL, and I, every game seems to be the biggest game <laughs> in the history of the sports. Can I guess someone else you're going to say? Yes, you can. Eddie and Steve on rugby league. Completely. <laughs> like, you could buy that this is the biggest game. Like, with this Vikings against who at Salford City Reds was the biggest game in the universe at that time. There was no choice about it. On a Thursday night. On a Thursday night. Thursday night the, football. Does it get any better than Thursday night football, Phil? Thursday night at the Willows. In the jungle. <laughs> and like, but NRL actually does it. NRL does it really well. And maybe, maybe the answer is a sport can only be big in one plane. So it's either... International for, for rugby or the league. It's either international for the rugby league, sorry, which it's not, but that, that's where the NRL is. There is no equivalent international fixtures for the NFL. So maybe a sport can only be big in one, in one plane, with football being the obvious exception. Football is the obvious exception, because even though like, there's lots of uh, diehard football club supporters, particularly if you're a big, one of the big four or big six, however you slice it, um, who don't care about England fixtures. If you're a Liverpool fan or a United fan, you don't really care about England fixtures. No. But I've got friends who are Notts Forest fans, Leicester fans, Stoke fans, like lesser teams. They actually really do care about the England fixtures because that's their shot at yeah. winning some silverware. And both are like the Champions League, the Premier League, or any major international to- tournament, Euros, World Cup. They are some of the most watched events on the planet. Every single year, every time that they occur, that is true. Actually, that that is true. That, so football that is the exception. Football books the trend. It's not even cricket. I mean, cricket. You watch the Ashes, and then if you're really into it, the IPL. But no one, I don't know any people fans watch the IPL team. So I, I actually started because the IPL is over a really short short window. Yeah. So I caught something earlier this year. It was like a preview of the IPL, and I was like, you know what? This year, I'm going to try and watch a bit of the IPL. Any good? It, it wasn't so. I think I watched half a game because, and this is maybe a me thing or maybe a British broadcaster thing, it's just not as accessible to me. Like, obviously, our Twitter account is totally on rugby. So anytime there's rugby going on, you open up the Egg Chasers Twitter account on our feed that we see, and it's all talk, like everyone is talking about that game. Whereas I don't have the equivalent window into IPL and it's not offered by the BBC it's not no. like I'm sure there are cricket um, websites that I could follow up, you almost need to set up a separate Twitter, Twitter account, account. Yeah, yeah. Follow, so the algorithm can plug you into now, cricket that's I've, why I got, I got rid of my Twitter account because I was just plugged into rugby and I didn't want to watch any more. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I've kind you, of you could have unfo- you could have unfollowed. I did. I, unfollowed, <laughs> I did without nuking. I unfollowed the whole every thing. everybody, everybody, and I was still getting bloody Paul Williams tweets and one. And then nothing wrong with that. But I'm just saying that was the tweet that I was getting. That was what the algorithm was uh, so, p- pushing towards me. So the way that I've redone it this time because I say every year when I when I was a kid I watched the Tour de France. Loved. I used to watch it with my old man all the time, and. For years I've been saying I'm, This year Because Tour de France is great Because it's yeah. in the downtime of rugby Yeah So this year 
I was like, right, I am going to watch it. And the way that I did it was for a few weeks before on YouTube, I started searching for Tour de France highlights, <laughs> racing highlights. And now the first thing that pops up now when I open YouTube every day at about 7, 8 p.m. Andrew Tate videos. After I wade through <laughs> all the Elon Musk and Andrew Tate and Jordan Peterson videos is Tour de France highlights from that day. So I am getting my Tour de France. So next year I'm going to start searching for IPL about a month before it. Great, love and it. That, that's Superb. my route. It's my routine. You, there should be some shortcut function like where you can just tell like yeah subscribe to you, yeah, you like, obviously almost, you do yeah. you can do that yeah you just subscribe to yeah. the tour that'd be actually a really good function wouldn't it for some sort of aggregator to say i am interested in rugby or cricket or something i've suddenly got a, a passionate interest in this well yeah. I like tennis two yeah. weeks of the year i don't care for 50 weeks of the yeah, year yeah. So there's some awesome cycling youtube channels doesn't your mate do one uh, yeah, well, I know the guys that do, do the cycling podcast. Yeah, mm. they started. You know, they, they they've just celebrated their tenth anniversary, oh. and they started yeah about two months before we did. Oh, did they? Yeah. Oh, well, congratulations to cycling guys. Yeah, there is the cycling pod on YouTube. There is, I think it's BCN. British yeah, it's great, network, isn't it? They have some really. Some of them are a bit uh, duds, but they have some great well, videos. This is this is when I started realizing. Do you remember this is? Should we talk about rugby? I'll, 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 uh, let's do this, and then we'll get I'll, into I'll the rugby. I'll finish this last point, because it's nothing to do with anything, right? Do you remember the scandal some years ago about pink razors? So, it's the pink tax. Oh, yeah, they cost they cost more money. It's not fair. It's yeah, yeah, because I'm like, yeah, okay, we'll buy a blue razor. Buy, buy blue ones. Okay. Well, no one makes a big song and dance about the middle age tax. And you can see this everywhere, where men are targeted for sale, for the sale of things. And one of the things that they're targeted for is bike cogs. Because only a middle-aged man... <laughs> Would buy bike cogs, which I mean, how do you improve on a bloody bike cog? Right? And it's like, how did you laser engineer the bike? Even if you did laser engineer the bike cog, how much better will it be than the last one? It's thousands of pounds are spent on running gear. Oh, so, well, bikes is so bikes, it winds me up a little bit because up to a certain point, and I, I've not got an expensive bike, my bike mm. was 720 quid, so it's not expensive at all in the range not of by bikes. bike standards, not yeah. by bike standards. No. You could spend 20 times that on a bike comfortably. So my my thing with bikes is, up to a certain point, you are getting more efficient. You are putting more power down on the road. You're losing less power yeah. as you, as it translates. After that point, after say, and it's probably somewhere around the three grand mark. After that point, all you are doing is getting lighter. So yeah. every component on your bike will be a couple of grams lighter. And can I just point out, most of the people, right? That have got these bikes usually got them after the after receiving the proceeds of a large business sale, and they're not in great shape. Well, this is my exact point: <laughs> that if you if you are riding, if you're a middle aged man in Lycra and you are riding a ten thousand pound bike, seven and a half grand, say, or seven grand of that ten thousand pounds is just shaving off probably three kilograms. If you're ten kilos overweight, which like, a lot of them are. A lot of them are. Yeah, that that spend is the ten grand. Th- yeah. spend ten grand on uh, liposuction. <laughs> that's a great. <laughs> just get, get some gear, get in shape. Well, we, personal training, like however you want to do it. That's probably not a bad thing to sell. 
in cycle shops, like um, vouchers for liposuction. Because <laughs> you're going to spend this amount of money anyway. You want to be good at cycling. Go do it, boys. Yeah, well done. We've, we've, we've solved two things. Yeah. Sports ag- sports content aggregators yes. and liposuction for cyclists. Perfect. There we go. There we go. And we're giving you a rugby fix as well. Yeah. We, eventually we will do. Yeah, eventually. We'll get to that at some point. Uh, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Find more content. Some of it's spicy at patreon.com slash eggchasers. Thank you for your support. Keeping the lights on and all the rest of it for, like I say, very nearly 10 years. Um, and with the World Cup drawing ahead, it, it has added an extra spice and content to these rugby championship games and what will become the uh, World Cup warm-up games. So how much of the rugby championship matches round two did you see? Uh, pretty much all of it. Yeah. yeah. bit patchy on the first half of Australia-Argentina because of swimming lessons and stuff, but seen... I like Saturday morning matches. I do as well. I used to I love do. it back in the days when I played and, did, so did and didn't have kids. This is all I would do: <laughs> sit, have a brew. Well, your yeah. kids, your bake, kids, bake oh, my kids are old enough. They're old enough. Can, yeah. Yeah. Count, count down the minutes until I had to leave to uh, to go play for Broughton Park or Colwyn Bay. It's, it's awesome. Watching awesome. people like Christine Cullen in Super Rugby back in the day. <sighs> those, I still think those are glory days when the Brumbies were dominating everybody. Mm. Those were the glory days. Eddie Jones's Brumbies. Twenty. Yeah, it might have been actually twenty plus years ago. Yeah. Just before he coached Australia in the World Cup. So I was a little bit shaky on the details of the All Black South Africa game second half, but I've watched the Australia game in quite some detail now. Mm. Well, so. let's start with that first game then, because, well, here's a question first off as well, because I was contemplating this myself over the weekend. Is New Zealand v South Africa the ultimate rugby rivalry? In, in When you look at the rugby rivalries in world rugby... Is that the t- is that the top of the pyramid? I think it might be. Currently, it is. It's one of. It is one of. I would argue England France. Yeah, that's got history. England Wales is up there. Although Wales just aren't that higher quality of a team on a consistent basis historically. I mean, Wales have been absolutely abysmal for so long, and then they got good again, and they feel like they might be going into a bit of an abysmal phase now. I'm not sure they can pull pull, pull themselves up, pull themselves out of it. So that's not that is a red hot rivalry, but the quality isn't there. England France is probably the one in the southern in the southern hemisphere. Northern hemisphere, sorry, yeah. Sorry, northern hemisphere. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I tend to agree, and it probably is. That's been a few World Cup semi-finals as well. I'm just thinking about obviously Grand Slam deciders, things like that for France England, but it has been World Cup semi-finals. I mean, you know the ultimate, the ultimate international rivalry. Eddie Jones against himself. No, <laughs> much bigger. <laughs> Romania, Spain. Oh, oh yeah, ultimate that is, rivalry. Now you're talking. That is spicy. Savage. Yeah, uh, I think it probably is. So they're the only two teams who've won the World Cup three times. Yeah, um, and for most of say the last twenty years, they have been the two best teams on the biggest stage. Yeah. Not necessarily for because uh, South Africa had a period of. God knows how many years prior to Razzie coming in where they declined in force and the All Blacks were amazing. But, yeah, I think it, I think it probably is. Mm. That, thinking back about it, that South Africa decline is one of the most bizarre declines in rugby history because the players actually did exist. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like a bad team. In fact, the very same players then went and dominated the world. Well, they, in 2015, which was part of it, so they had coaching woes... They also, I seem to remember, 
over relied on too many aging stars. They had oh, incredibly yeah. it's such an interesting point to lead, to lead into this email we've had from Carl Brewster. Contact TedChasers at gmail.com. Fire right. your emails across if you have a thought. And Carl says, Gents, pod, good blah. Uh, this, um, this may be a very reactionary email, and it's. And, and maybe too late, six weeks out from a World Cup to change things up. But are South Africa too loyal to the 2019 winning team? In reality, the whole mm. team could be very similar, bar the beast having retired, which for a four-year cycle is strange that there hasn't been more of a turnover of players. You look at today's performance, referring to yesterday's game against New Zealand, and the likes of Dialande, Faf, Lude, Lacanio Am, Mapimpi, they aren't quite what they used to be, uh, I'm a Quinn season ticket holder, so my love for Andre knows no mm, bounds. Yes, but sure. surely he's the man to start now. And I've always thought Evan Roos is a beast, but Visa and Vermeulen seem to be picked above him. Well, I mean, Vermeulen did start playing very, very well. Um, he played well last week, and he looked good off the bench. Yeah, so, although I do agree that he's... I wonder if there's sort of pros and cons going on here. So, the pros for the South Africa team is they have this enormously de- uh, deep squad I mean even though they lost this weekend you would still want their wider player of, a pool of players over New Zealand in my opinion P- people might disagree with that but I think they've got the strongest pool of players and I think that's a product of having them in France England Japan South, Af- South Africa and they've got no constraints so they can pick them from anywhere the downside of that is maybe they don't pay enough attention week in, week out to the performances, and those performances are very hard to compare and contrast because how do you compare Faf playing in Japan to, you know, Hen- um, Hen- Hendrixay, or however you say his name, playing in the, in the URC, or whoever the boy is playing in, in the Premiership? So I think it's quite difficult for them to pick. So maybe there is an element of going off past reputations and deeds in mm. the South Africa well, team. On the, uh, Phil made the point last week, going on where they play and the relevance of that is you did make the, the point rightly that Vili LaRue seems to not be affected by playing in Japan, but some of those players that were named, in fact several of those na- players that were named, are playing in Japan. They are. And I made that point last week when they hammered what um, is a poor Australia team, or was certainly last week and not amazing this week, but um, perhaps that point was um, proven wrong or inadequate this week because guys like Lucano Am and Faf and Villarreal was okay, but not he wasn't as good as he was last week. Who are they're playing in Japan against this weird kind of mix of mm. every team has four or five genuine stars and then a load of photocopier salesmen. People like me. <laughs> People, Japanese chaps like yourself, yeah. JB. Um, I wonder if I could get a game in Japan. Hmm. I would have thought so. If you rocked up, <laughs> I'm pretty good with photocopies. <laughs> <laughs> I just looking at the team uh, from last from 2019 compared to it's remarkably similar. It, it is similar. It is very. Uh, you similar. could have the identical pack. So except, yeah, can, except if Sia Khaleesi gets back fit, can you tell me the difference? Have you got it in front of you? Jake? No, 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 no. I, I, I'm just thinking you could quite. It will be depending on who starts in the front yeah. row and who's off the, off the bench. But you'd you would have Kitsoff, Malherbe, and Marks or Umbanambi. Uh, yeah, Diaga and Etzebeth. Yeah, as your locks. PSTD, PSDT, Khaleesi and Vermeulen. Yeah. Whoa, whoa! You've never the captain. Khaleesi. Khaleesi. Oh, sorry, you're the same, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Faf. Faf, yeah. Pollard. Yeah. Dear Lande. Yeah. Am. Yeah. 
Mapimpi, yeah. Colby, yeah. LaRue. Yeah. You can have all 15. Yeah. So, uh, the only one of the fift- the 15 starters who was not in the match day squad... I know there's two, because... Uh, sorry, three. Hundred Pollard's injured. Injured, yeah, currently. Seacleese uh, injured. Yeah. And Beast has retired. Oh, correct. Yeah. Other than that... Oh, did did but, um, Tatawira, did he start? Yes, he yeah. started. Okay. But Kitsoff was on the bench, yeah. so you'd re- like for that like replacement there. That is remarkable, there. that isn't it? Uh, so, and you replace Sia Khaleesi with Franco Mosta, who was on the bench, yeah. who comes Let in, and Vermoulin, he was on the bench this week, mm. but he started um, the World and the Cup gu- final. And the guys that you, the guys that are different from last year, Mosta and Visa, not great against New Zealand. No, neither. Uh, Visa had a quiet game. Yeah, he, got he, he was dead. He d- yeah, repeatedly when they, stopped dead. Did you notice the point where he sort of he dropped the ball and then he carried on running? I don't know why he bothered, but he carried on running and then someone just manhandled him. I loved it. I was like that. He, the other player, whoever it was, it might have been. Or, it might have been. I think Ardy Ardy munched Etzebeth at one point. Somebody did something right, and I thought that's unnecessary. Other than to let Visa know. I could have killed you. Yeah, that was just a psychological. Retallick uh, yeah. putting a great hit on him. Yeah, um, Shannon Frizzell putting a great yeah. hit on him. He got stopped dead by um, Cody Taylor. Like it just he had a hard day in the office. He really did. For like, someone who's used to having it all his own way, but he's not that big, is he? So I mean, he has to be. He's ferocious. Yeah, yeah, he's so aggressive. I imagine you, you could get on, gravity. if you let him get up ahead of steam. Much like is it Colossus in um, X Men? You've got a problem, but if you can hit him nice and early, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a different proposition. He's not as big as say the Marlin or someone like that, who all Billy, who's just such a massive human, he can deal with you and then pick up a, pick up ahead of steam. Yeah, I, I was impressed with the physicality of the the All Blacks. Uh, absolutely, o- overall. Well, I tell you, an absolute statement bit of physicality, and he had a few of them, but Shannon Frizzell absolutely dispatching Willie LaRue was Lomu-esque that wasn't Ooh, it that was he awesome. played well he, he played, played really well and he he brings such a nice balance to that back row because when you've got Ardy at number 8 and Ardy at 6 uh, well, Ardy at 6 Frizzell at sorry Ardy at 8 Frizzell at 6 no no they're both they're the same person mate I but am it, absolutely certain of that but Frizzell is a couple of inches bigger and is he 10 kilos heavier probably yeah, no. yeah. Frizzell's like 6'4 like, is he really? 6465. I said well, that was amazing because he plays in such a fluid manner. He's so Ardy's it, like 105 kg. Ardy's not massive. Frizzell looked Kano Collins esque. Whoa, easy, didn't he? easy. I know I that's big, that. big comparisons to make, but he played like that. He he's he's he played in those wider channels. So yeah, so, he definitely did that. Yeah, Shannon's six five. Six five. Whereas Ardy Surveyor six one six two with his probably, hair. Depends if you six, count his hair or not. Six two, six one and a half. Oh, there you go. I had no idea he was that big. Yeah, so oh, three, he... in, three inches taller, and according to this, only six kg heavier. Uh, but I think he might be more than that. I don't know. He d- he's very athletic with what he does with his size. Yeah, you're he right is. about the balance, though, because I think Scott Barrett played very well. Um, Scott the, Barrett. The, the, the ultimate choice was that he would be on the on the blind side flank. So Sam Kane had a great game. Sam Kane was very good, but Scott Barrett did have a great game. He had a great game. He, I read somewhere, he put in the most. So he put in three dominant hits, which was the most of anyone, uh, including an awesome one on uh, Cheslin Colby, yeah. which was quality. Someone 
I think Exmouth absolutely an- annihilated someone. He did. Was it Mark Talea? It was Talea early on. Yeah. yeah. First five minutes. Abat. Yeah, yeah. So I actually don't think this is as much of a disaster. Well, it is a disaster for the Springboks. I'll tell you why. But maybe not that much of a disaster. I think it's disastrous because what the All Blacks did successfully is force the Springboks into playing a different way. So the Springboks want to put you under loads of pressure, want to mm-hmm. be you know, holding the ball, they want to slowly build the pressure, and then, and then you break. Well, if you score early doors against the, spring, against the Springboks, they've got to do something different. They've got to play in a way where they're chasing the game, and they're not built for that. They, they can't do it. So if you're going to beat the Springboks, this is the blueprint. I mean, you know, obviously you want to score early and score often. I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> you know, that's quite obvious. But... Yeah, that, that's what you got to do. You've got to get scores on them and make them change the way they play. I'd be interested to know what you, what you guys think, but I, if I had to s- distill that game down to like a bare essence of what it was, obviously an, an, an amazing opening quarter, and to touch on what you've said, yeah. much like England against New Zealand in the World Cup semi-final in 2019, blow them away in the first 20 minutes, and then you've got the leeway to hang on. So there was that. But I would actually say, probably even more than that, the essence of that win for New Zealand was a... Tactical kicking masterclass. There was some amazing tactical, tactical, kicking. tactical kicking, and it, again the range of kicking. Yeah. So one of, one of the most unusual ones. So there's we the obviously kick pass from Geordie. The, the kick ba- pass the backwards. Sh- the short kick passes, uh, the backward kick pass, the um, wide crossfield kick, like the try for. Um, What's his name? Moonga? No. No, uh, Will Jordan. Will Jordan, yeah. Uh, and the one that led to the try for Aaron Smith, those crossfield kicks. One of the most unusual ones was the... It was second phase, so it was a line-out. New Zealand won a penalty in the first half, kicked for the corner, won a line-out on the 22. Second phase, so the line-out, rook. From that rook, just outside the 22, Aaron Smith puts a box kick up. Onto, yeah, right. onto onto um, the five meter yeah onto the five meter line now it ended up being knocked on I think it was Rico Yuani knocks it on but New Zealand had three men underneath that box kick yeah. there was only Willie Larue there if one of them takes that it, it's just try to well, it, and that has that totally changes the way that mm. South Africa from the wide um, crossfield kicks to that they have to defend in a totally different way they don't know what's coming well Willie Larue was a fine fullback. And his positioning is fine. Mm. His playmaking is great. But actually, when you can deploy lads like um, Rico Ioani in your backline, who is I don't know six foot, he's six seventeen three. or something. He's six. So the two centers are six three and six five. Yeah, they're huge, right? They're gonna. They. Will, I mean, even if they don't win that aerial battle, do it two or three times. They'll win one of them. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That was. But the, on the other point, so I think that's a really useful thing that they did, and the range of it. On the other point of um, changing the way that South Africa played, after 20 minutes, New Zealand were 17 points up after 20 minutes. So 17 points up. 17 minutes after 16 minutes. Point, yeah, point yeah. A minute for 17. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, but after 20 minutes, South Africa got a very, very kickable penalty just outside the uh, 22 and just to the left of the posts. That's right. Ordinarily, if South Africa get a kickable penalty after 20 minutes, they're taking the three. Yep. They had to kick for the corner. They had no option after that point because they're 17 points down and they miss it. They got zero points from it. They got no return. So they were, f- <laughs> you're, you're exactly right. They were forced to go yeah. against their game plan um, in, in many different ways. I've got a question, right? <laughs> How do you be honest enough with your team to implement what I'm about to say? Does anybody or has anybody ever looked at their team? and thought, right, we're going to make a game plan 
which involves us being down by 17 points in 17 minutes. <laughs> I mean, it's likely if you're playing the All Blacks, but how do you explain that to your team that you, do, that yeah. you don't think that you're going to be able to stop them scoring points? <laughs> so what are we going to do when we're 17 points down for yeah, 17 minutes? Just on, on, yeah, a, yeah. on a related, but a slightly different point, it must be a scenario that they run in training. I bet scenario is a massive part of... I bet they never. Week. I bet they never run seventeen points. Oh, no, like 20, twenty points down after twenty minutes. The, what the, because what, it, it, you must discuss it with a captain because the captain is the one that makes that decision. Right, posts or corner. If we are a, if we're t- more than two scores back very early on, what do we do? It should yeah, be dis- It should be at least discussed with a captain because I, I actually, if I was um, South Africa there. I would actually want to take the three yeah, just just because I want to start the scoreboard ticking over and that is their normal way of playing. Like yeah. let's let's put it on, an, on another way. Do South Africa with 60 minutes left on the clock do they believe they can score more than 70 points? Yes they do. In 60 minutes they are 17 yeah, points, yeah. sorry. Yes they believe they can score more than 17 points. Do they believe they can shut out the All Blacks? They should do. They should be confident enough to so say... Therefore, you take the three. So you should take yeah. the three. You should oh, revert to your normal position, not, revert play, to mean. not play on tilt. Yeah. But they were, they were already <clears throat> playing on tilt. So I think the conversation goes, if you told me, yeah, All Blacks could score early, what do we do? I don't think the conversation is, yeah, we... I don't think they even consider that. They'll say things like, well, we'll keep the ball off them, we'll kick more, or you know, we'll apply pressure to them, and we'll defend harder. They never consider, I don't think at least, being two scores down because to admit that is a kind of psychological defeat yeah, before you yeah, take yeah. the field. Well, clearly, yeah. maybe they didn't discuss it because maybe it's something they should discuss and maybe that'll be a lesson you take because I think you're absolutely right, Phil. Mm. And, I, and I, I thought, particularly with where the penalty kick was in front of the posts. Yeah, just to the just, left. It's definitely kickable. Just okay. get those three. Get on the board and you're two scores down. Re- yeah, and reset and restart. Because you back yourself. Yeah, because if you did claw those some, some or all of those points back and then you were offered a penalty, you would take three points. Yes. Do you feel vindicated in your call that the All Blacks have got a pair of very proficient props? I think you probably should. I I think I was quite bold in my assertion. I think what I actually said was by the end of this World Cup, they will be regarded in the same fashion as Kitsoff and Malherbe. I thought they did very well. Very, mm. very well. Ethan De Groot and Lomax are both looking very good. And uh, what's the guy's The young lad, Williams. Yeah, to Mighty Williams, yeah. big old unit. He is a big old boy, a 22-year-old. <laughs> yeah. He's a big old boy coming off the bench. And yeah. Lau Laula is also not a small lad. No. So what score should this have been? Because I know 35 points is legitimate for New Zealand. South Africa got basically two... Is it two tries late? They got they got one, the Quaggersmith try. Yeah, Quaggersmith is up there, I think. That, that, it was nothing. New Zealand, they... If that was an under normal circumstances, they would have cleared their lines. They just, for some reason, were playing in their, about in their 22. Um, the other two tries were legit. Um, the Malcolm Marks try, which Colby. was driving more, Great and the Colbin more. Yeah. Uh, what Colbin. pass from Ville LaRue? And Although the, oh, do you know what I'm I saw thinking? I saw the Colby non-try. Do you know any breaks? Yeah, right at the end? yeah, yeah. Thinking. Oh, yeah. The, um, the Colby try, I kind of wanted that to be disallowed. Just, I think momentum rule is probably okay. It was very it, the ball went forward, but yeah. whether they were travelling, but I kind of wanted it to be disallowed just yeah. to see the meltdown. If as the World um, Cup was being decided on that decision, it <laughs> would have kicked <laughs> off, wouldn't it? Big like, time, it's like Cueto in the corner. Big yeah. time from seven. Um, although I, I do think, I, did you see um, Razzie's 
tweet today. No. No, but I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Well, it was perhaps um, what he should have done, uh, a stance that he should have taken two years ago instead of throwing um, Nick Berry under the bus and accusing him of racism, which was, um, there's a tweet which said something about, it's like from a South African uh, newspaper or magazine, rugby paper, that said to South African fans, what do you think of the referee's performance? Um, what's his name? Piper. Not Piper. No, no, no. no. Um, um, Mathieu Reynal. Mathieu Reynal. Um, what do you think of his performance? And Razzie quote tweeted it and said his performance was better than ours today, which I thought was Agreed. absolutely spot on. I think I thought it was the right attitude for a coach to have. Um, and I thought it was also an accurate assessment because I thought Reynal had a good game. He made some tough calls. He let the boys play. He wasn't too... He let, uh, he, the rucks were loose. That, yeah, but, but... But he was consistent. He was, consist- he was consistent on both sides. Yeah. There's maybe one or two of the scrum penalties that my totally untrained eye thought... Oh, there was one which is an absolute absolute farce. I can't remember if yeah. it was this game or the other one. There was one in this that um, where... Uh, who was it? The his kits off on the. Was it right towards half time? I think it was towards half yeah. time, where kits off stays standing and his opposite man goes down flat out, and the penalty was given to um, to New Zealand. And that one looked a bit odd to me. Now there might have been some boring in or dropping a bind or something that I had no idea about, but. Other than that, I thought he was great. Do you, know, do you know one thing on the, on the New Zealand coaching that is, is quite entertaining? You talk about Razzy Erasmus, uh, mm. not, and it's interesting to, to it'd be interesting to know the dynamics of the Nianaba and Razzy relationship. How much control does Jeanette Nianaba actually have? But on, on the New Zealand side, it's quite funny just hearing loads of people from New Zealand. They obviously had a really great win, and people are going, "Oh, it's great to see New Zealand playing well." Now they know Scott Robertson's coming in. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and they're, and they're, awful people! And, people, and crediting um, going going. Oh, the, 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 it's the forwards coach that's come in that's had a massive impact. Um, Jason, can't remember his name is. Anyway, this, they've got a re- relatively new forwards coach. He's all in the last couple of years, and he seems to have had an impact with the pack. But it's it's the desperation not to give Ian Foster any credit Fuzzy. is real. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, but they've they've had a bad few years. They have. Uh, re- certainly by New Zealand standards. Judge me on the World Cup, mate, as Eddie says. Yeah. Well, <laughs> just before we talk about that, I mean, has this changed any of your opinions about these two teams going to the World Cup? Which one would you rather not see? <sighs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't like to see either of them. I think it's more than likely to be a World Cup quarter final. There's a more than fifty fifty. So, which one would you like? Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com ACAST. 
That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Oh, crikey. Oh, dear. That's okay. That's all right. Um, <laughs> so which one would you rather see <sighs> as an England fan? In a semi-final, who would you rather yeah. see in a semi-final? New Zealand. Uh, we're going to have to. I see think what... New Zealand would be best suited to England. Yeah, but that's not that's not yeah. to say that New Zealand are a worse team. Not at all. It's nope. just the ma- in terms of matchups. Yeah, I think you're. Right. I think there was um, the freeze flat track bullies came to mind watching this game with South Africa, which I think that I think any team who. Um, it shows a hint of weakness up front South Africa will exploit completely and run riot um, they didn't find that in, against New Zealand hence the scoreline they will find that against England and so I think once again they will probably if England do meet South Africa would probably South Africa would beat them up in a knockout rugby game Yeah. Um, the problem with New Zealand is I think New Zealand can more than match England physically and can run rings on them Outside as well. I don't think England so, will be nearly ready for this World Cup. No, I just com- think it's completely agree. Completely agree. Which is a it's a shame, and I think it's it's a shame because they've got a great coach in Borthwick. Yeah. But I saw something. I think it was Rugby Inside Line on Twitter um, did a poll recently about um, England fans' perception or confidence in Borthwick, and it's already dropped significantly in the. Five games that he has had in charge. I think England cannot play well and arrive at a World Cup semi-final. That's yeah, yeah, yeah that's definitely. The, with the way that we're going to we're going to play Wales or Australia, maybe Fiji in a World Cup quarter-final if we get there. Yeah, you you would hope so. I mean, the disaster would be Japan and Argentina going through from our pool, but I mean that would really be a total disaster. I can't see it because no. Japan have been in terms of matchups. You, I can't see Japan ever beating England. Well, no, no. I mean, at this World Cup, I can't think of a scenario where Japan beat England. Yeah. However poor t- England are, I it tend have, it would to, have to be a couple of red cards. I tend to agree, and Japan, they have had some amazing results um, in the last two World Cups, beating South Africa in 2015, beating Scotland, Scotland and Ireland, and Ireland yeah. in 2019. Maybe it's just hubris, but I'm, I'm the same. I can't. I just can't see them, and I. I don't think based on the results because they got beat handily by a New Zealand um, fifteen yeah. last weekend. I can't remember, I can't recall seeing the score against. They played Australia, um, Australia A, which was a handy Australia A team mm. actually, with Taniela Tupu and a few others that I can't recall. Harry Wilson, another one. Yeah, the number eight Harry Wilson, mm. who's a handy player. Uh, I think well, actually was James O'Connor in that team? Was he? Did, did I see? Did I see James O'Connor? Where on oh, earth oh, is James oh. O'Connor playing at the moment? James O'Connor? Yeah. Is he? I'm sure James O'Connor was named in that. Is he at all the Reds? Don't know. I've not seen any Reds games this year. No, I've not either. Uh, let's, let me check those two things. I might be talking total nonsense. Uh, we might as well jump over to uh, well, we best the Australia-Argentina. Uh, sorry, it was Tonga versus Australia, eh? Not Japan. And a Tonga... T- wow. So Tonga beat Australia. There is a Jay J. O'Connor playing 12 for um, for Australia, eh? Salakai Lotto was playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taniela Tupo, Fianga, the hooker, Lachlan Swinton, um, Bernard Foley, James O'Connor, 
So well, interestingly, should we just go through this? Because you've got 20 minutes before Phil has a hard out. Uh, so I've got about, yeah, 35 minutes. 35 minutes. Well, 35. just one thing. So this is actually worth looking at because Australia A lost, a decent Australia A team lost 27-21 to Tonga. The Tonga team is more interesting. Yeah, Sir Charles looked great in that, the couple of bits I saw. Sir Charles, Falau, Fekitoa, Aki, Peter Aki, Havili at 10, Takalua at 9, uh, a pair of Fafitas, Tammy, F- Tammy Fanuna, uh, Tammy, Tammy Tamifuna, Ba- Big Ben, the tight We watched in um, Malaga do bits. Bits, yeah. On occasions he'd bit, he did bits. Might need some slightly better co- conditioning. Steve Maffey coming off the bench. So that is a handy Tonga team beating a, a very handy Australia A team. So that, that is quite interesting. So Australia. Well, yeah, on to this. So... And Have you done a, a video on Australia versus Argentina? Yeah, se- a reaction one. Se- yeah, segueing from, uh, and I didn't mention this on the video, but segueing from what you just talked about with Tonga. Mm. Watching this Australia game against Argentina, just what a loss Israel Falau is to Australian <laughs> rugby. Well, my boy. goodness me, what a loss he is! Because I know you're a big fan of Tom Wright, and I love him going forward. Great attacking player. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he did, he did a nice try. No. He's not the same quality of player. No, it, it, you know, it, I, I love watching him. I'm not pinning the the, the result on him, by the no. way. Yeah. Yeah. I made a couple of bad errors. I love Tom Wright in the same way I loved uh, peak effectiveness Ryan Lamb. You know, like they're amazing players with their natural ability. You love the way Miles My- Benjamin rucked. Exactly right. But they're not the absolute peak of their of their profession, yeah. which is fair to say. But Tom Wright is an incredible player. He's not Israel Folau. No. Very, very few people. Israel Folau, in terms of his talent on a rugby field, is one of the best we've seen in the last 20 years. Yeah. He's almost unparalleled in terms of his all round talents. But he, sorry, he did play for Tonga, yeah? He did play for Tonga. What a joke! He, played, uh, he was playing good, international rugby good. against how, Australia, eh? Oh, how how they let that happen? Um, so this game. Uh, well, why don't you tell us what your reaction was? Because you've done, you've already thought about, it, you've, you've already broadcast about it. So t- tell us your reaction. My reaction was brilliant game, really entertaining. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater with either team. Uh, both had deficiencies. Argentina just showed a lot of steel and guts to to take the win. Australia, I think actually Eddie Jones. I mean, it's, Eddie Jones compared his team to a Datsun 1200, which I'm not familiar with that particular model. Is that he says like hatchback? I don't know. Look up a Datsun 1200 and show JB a picture. Of whatever, like. But he said, mate, we'll it's, like, it's like a Datsun 1200, mate. You know, you fix the gearbox and then the next day the windscreen wipers don't work. No, timely reminder, Eddie. So he basically said that, you know, that the set piece was better this week and then their they made loads of errors uh, last week the set piece was bad last week better this week and then then they started making loads of errors and the set piece uh, sorry the um, there was loads of knock-ons and there was out of positioning so they've got a lot of things to fix up I think they ha- they are capable of doing it I just I just don't think in, in quite a few positions they are not at elite levels it's the same with Argentina exactly the same with Argentina they've got some brilliant players but they've got some hot, some, some positions where they just aren't good enough so my question mm. would be my most fundamental question for Australia is what earth are you trying to do because I don't get it like, I don't see what the plan is with, it, with this group of players the group of players to me are fine they've got so much talent I mean like 
You look at people. Do even, they? even though do you, they though. Yeah, I think Ekatal's class. I think Karevi's class. I think you know in Bal- Bobby in certain, V in certain Bobby positions. Bobby very I, good. I, I think that's the right point though. In certain positions, they've got loads of talent. In other positions, I mean, their second row are good for the first time in a long time. Yeah, you've got a massive second row, a powerful back row. The yeah, but row is flankers, flankers aren't yeah. scratch. I don't know. Well, Bobby, Bobby V, Hoops missing, McWright's okay. Um, Holloway was there this weekend. Hooper, Last weekend it was Tom, Tom Hooper. Hooper. Yeah, it's not, they're not up to it. The, the six and seven are like, a bit underpowered the, and washing. Is the strategy up to it? Because we say they're not up to it. The only thing I felt that Australia did even remotely well is one thing. And I tweeted about it, so you probably know what I'm about to say. Uh, front row, they're not good enough either. Anyway, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is they managed well, to stop Argentina on the game line. And they ma- you look at Argentina's big ball carriers, they got manhandled. So Argentina couldn't do that. And what Argentina did marvellously well is they changed how they attacked. And rather than just try and run over people, where they're getting no luck, they went a little bit wider, they started cutting their angles, they were very smart exploiting space. When... I can't remember which try it was, but one of the Australian defenders jumps out the line and they immediately exploit him. They, they, were, they, they were great. And you can look at what Argentina are doing and think that's an intelligent team with a plan, but maybe not quite as experienced or good players as Argentina. And they beat them. They beat them fair and square because Australia have no real guidance as to what they're doing. I think... So Argentina, just just quickly running through, I think they're a flanker short. Kremer will come back, so that's that will help. Mm, but- Red card risk. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure Kremer's the answer. Kremer and Lavanini on the yeah, pitch at the exactly. same time. <laughs> so uh, I think they're Ging each other up. No, you hit him. They're short in the no, back row. Double hit, bro. They're short of depth. If anyone gets injured in the front five, scrum half is just not good enough. I thought he was all right. Centre, Delafuente made an improvement coming back, but their their other options are not you good you, enough. You don't like Sin- uh, 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 Cincy at twelve. Don't like him at twelve. Didn't, I think he can do all right. Didn't like. I didn't like him at twelve last week, and I was a bit more convinced, but still not convinced by him as a thirteen. He made a couple of breaks, but just don't think they're up to it. Uh, Australia hooker not up to it. Front row can be good on one game, hot and cold, but they mm. they just don't. They scrummage quite well at times Reasonably this week. Well, yeah, um, you know, if flanker not good enough, fly half not good enough, um, fullback not good enough. So I think we're. Yeah. I, t- I tend to agree with that assessment. I'm not. I mean, yes. I mean, I could do they the same with the get, team. They can definitely <laughs> yeah. get better. So I'm, not few being, t- I'm not yeah. being pro. Yeah. I'm not being. Um, There's a few teams you could do this on. Yeah. I'm not saying that they're not. I'm not saying that they are stellar in those positions. They couldn't improve. They absolutely could. Uh, the overall theme where they could improve is they need players that can make space out of nothing. I don't mean with skills. I mean like Will Skelton can just run over people. Lavinini got battered at, 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 the, um, at the game line, as as did. Um, What's it? Flanker. Matera. Matera got absolutely battered. So that was a positive for Australia. Argentina should do better. But if they all play in the same way and they all buy into it, they're in a much better place than, than Australia are. Oh, Argentina are. Yeah. They, they're a more set team, uh, coaching wise and personnel wise. Um, they've got more consistent personnel than Australia. I, it's, the Australia team. The ins and outs in the Australia team over the last five years or so is crazy. Including the coaching team. Yeah, yeah, including the multiple coaching teams that we've seen in the last five years. Um, so, yeah, I, I tend to agree. But Australia, they do have talent, wider talent. They absolutely it's, do. It's whether they can bring it all and whether they have it in the requisite p- positions. Because you might have, 
you might have eight world-class wingers, but you've only got one world-class flanker. That's a problem. Marky Mark, Mark, Noanga Nitoaze, he's a quality player. Yeah, he yeah. was cool. And the replacement that came on... Carter Gordon. Liked nice. him. Yeah. Really yeah. liked him. He yeah. scored a try the last try last Mullet. week. I think he might end up starting 10. Really? Well, Quay Cooper, I just don't think... Ha, right. Got it. And answer me this, Tim. Right, you're a massive Owen Farrell fan, right? Yeah. So you understand <laughs> the qualities of the England Cup didn't better than anyone, no, I would say. Well, not better than anyone, but than anyone. You're, 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 <laughs> you're certainly his biggest fan, right? <laughs> so, so I'm how found, a, found a member of the Faz fan club. Exactly. How on earth, right? Does this coach with a straight face say, "Faz is my ten. I love everything he does. He he epitomises what I want the team to be." And then you go and pick Quade Cooper. How does that? How does that work? Surely you say, Quaid, thank you for your service. You're 35. I need someone who looks just anything like Owen Farrell. Just the same haircut. But Bernard Foley's the closest. Of, yeah, but yeah, anybody. Bernard he's, Foley's he's, not really. No. But, you know, but I, I think it's... Bernard Foley's a damn sight closer to Owen Farrell than Israel Folau. Uh, sorry, Israel Folau. Um, Quaid Cooper, Cooper is. I think, I think there isn't anyone close to Owen Farrell. Um, but also... It's a point that you make about, um, or you certainly made with Gatland in his previous reign as Wales coach. It's just he does the best with the players in mm. front of him. So if he had someone like Owen Farrell, he might pick them. And he used Owen Farrell certainly at times uh, very effectively to get to a World Cup final and win 19 games in a row. Um, less effectively at other times. But he doesn't have them, so he's got to do with the best at the tools at his not disposal. Believe. I simply do not believe. That a guy like Eddie Jones, who was renowned for some wild picks, um, you know, let's just go through the people who we never expected to see in England training camp, but did. Marcus Smith at 16, Gary Graham, Sam Moore. You know, there, you know there's all... Sam Moore right, uh, was, was an odd one. Yeah, um, picking... Uh, well, that's... Yeah, unless you believe what I believe, which is they were completely politically motivated picks. But <laughs> you don't believe that, so you must believe that well, they were well, there on there. the question right? is, what fly half's better that's available to him? This is it. He will know, right, what is in the Australian system better than anyone because A, he's an Australian. Most of the Australian players are available to him. He can see them. But this is the guy that played Gitto at age 17 before mm. he played a club game, right? So who's, he's not who's totally to different to Orin Farrell as well. Yeah, absolutely, right? So it, must, it tells me that Australia must not have a single better player suited to what Eddie Jones wants than Quade Cooper. And that should be a huge worry. Yeah, that is a big Agreed. I, I do agree with that. That is a bit of a red flag he has got I think you pointed this out and ever since I can't see Quay Cooper without seeing how massive his hands are he's got huge hands <laughs> they are enormous I've, I have got huge hands right and his hands dwarfed mine he's, in fact he might be the only person I've met with bigger hands than me huge hands <laughs> that was fun in uh, that was in Kobe wasn't and it do you know what was weird? at underground bar yeah and do you know what was weird about seeing him then I felt at that point his career was over. Yeah, yeah. I, was I felt four years just, like, ago drinking his way. He's drinking his way through well, a World Cup. He'd, he'd, he'd been that he had moved to Japan. Yeah, yeah. He was on, not playing for Australia in his thirties because he'd moved to Japan. The power's a strong trade. zero for That is another thing that, that where in my mind I might be totally wrong about this, but in my mind, Quid Cooper and Owen Farrell do this, this do diverge slightly. One of the reasons why I'm certain Eddie Jones loves Owen Farrell is because you talk to anyone in rugby or listen to them talk about Owen Farrell and they all say he is the hardest working, most competitive, drives the lads, best leader. And I don't... All those things I totally get from Owen Farrell. 
I don't really... I know he trains hard as an individual. I'm not sure he's the best leader, drives the yeah. lad. Like, he's too talented, isn't he? Pot- and maybe just like, Yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, he's just so different from Owen Farrell. Maybe there's, I've got a certain bias here. I do think that talented players don't work as hard. I just do. Because uh, yeah, yeah, they yeah. don't need to. Um, and I kind of put Quade Cooper in that category, but maybe that's completely unfair. I, I, maybe he's a really hard worker. Yeah, maybe, and maybe who, there's who? a sliding scale. When you, get, when you get to the absolute best of the best, they... They work as hard as the person who. They're, they're, well, it's who squeezes every bit of potential out of themselves, and yeah. the guys at the very top, and the guys who just make it to the bottom, probably. Are, yeah. Have you, have you listened to Les Snade on Econ Talks? Econ Talk. Yes, I have. I cannot remember the life of me what he was saying. So he's GM at the Rams, LA Rams. Les Snead, That's why. No, Snead. I haven't. Then. No, I haven't. So it's not that episode. It's overall, it's okay. But they talk about a really interesting principle, which is the one that you're touching on, and which is that balance of... I think they just divide it into, like, the tangibles and intangibles. Like, the tangibles being, what can they bench? What's their 40-yard dash? What can they squat? Like, what are the physical attributes and the intangibles? The How hard do they train? What's their leadership like? How dedicated are they? That side of things. I think you can probably have more categories but for the purpose of this yeah. that that's all well and good and they grade it like a b c d for those two things and saying that an a if you've got the uh tangibles the physical attributes you can ha- get away with being a c on the um the intangible the c on the discipline and dedication yeah. because you are so high and i think i would probably do it slightly differently if you're just looking at those two characteristics, you'd probably say, if you rank them, you can rank each one out of 50, and you need, you need say, 70 points to make it in the pros overall. out of a hundred, So 70 points out of 100. So yeah, nice. two out of 50, anything above 70. So you could be 50 out of 50 physically. You need 30. And then you'd be 20 out of 50 um, yeah. to get to the 70 overall. But if you're, if you're only a 20 physically, you've got to be 50. Yeah. Um, and they, what the point I was going to make was, they mention like I want to say it was Aaron Rodgers. They were talking about a player who they said is a like a star on both counts. He is fifty out of fifty in my world on both counts, mm. and he was Aaron somebody. Aaron Donald. Does he play for the Rams? Pretty sure he does. Aaron. The, the linebacker. I think so. Or defensive end. He's a defensive player, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is defensive defensive tackle for the LA Rams. And they're describing him as being that he has both. He has the 100% dedication and every single thing. I kind of think the intangibles is basically faking it, in a way, in lots of ways, because you see a lot of NFL quarterbacks in the draft who are coached to say things like, I'm a leader. They just say, I'm a leader. And if they say, I'm a leader enough, like people stop believing that I'm, I, I lead this team. And it just sounds ridiculous. I think intangibles now are how well you talk to the press, for instance. I tell you who has incredible intangibles is Jude Bellingham. Have you ever heard him talk? He's an incredible he's young so man. young as well. Yeah. He really is unbelievably impressive, like all round. Now, I think he could bluff his... I mean, he's an amazing footballer, I'm sure. <laughs> he's but, actually... Yeah. He might be 50-50 or A and A. But, and a. Like, if you take Jude Bellingham's attitude... It's, it's silly in football, it's so rare. And you've got that 
you know, you, you can articulate your position so well and walk into a change room and act like you've been there before with 35-year-old pros and whatnot, you'll be taken so much more seriously, even if you're not very good. Mm. And a lot of the NFL quarterbacks... I mean, T- Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow was the ultimate... Um, Intangibles guy Intangibles off the chart Couldn't throw a football And he managed to start a game At quarterback And actually win some Which is remarkable Have you started watching The new Netflix quarterback series? No I don't watch it I, I should do But I've not watched it It's good for ages. Yeah because you could probably I'm, I'm in my head I'm scoring now Patrick Mahomes Who is like A physical specimen Yeah Top And he's got a reasonable score At the other stuff mm. Uh, Kirk Cousins, massive high score on the intangibles. I can imagine. And the physical stuff, not like middling, or even maybe middling to low, but he's top of the other. Uh, and and uh, the other one is Marcus Mariota, who is probably three quarters of the way up physical, only a quarter of the way up on the other stuff. Mm. It's quite interesting. Well, maybe this could be a reason that so many of the English players come from private schools. Because that way to talk and that way to hold yourself and that confidence. I, it does make a huge difference. Yeah. But that, I, that, Equally, I think there's a bit of authenticity because Ellis Genge doesn't pretend to be anything he's not and he commands respect. He is, yeah. I mean, you can do it the and, Ellis and Genge Courtney, way. And Courtney Laws. Absolutely. Mm. Courtney. Mind you, it took, him, it took Courtney Laws years to command that, that, that respect. I mean, no one thought of him as like a serious leader until, what, 25? And yet these are the kids coming out of school and they're going to the, the, the England in the 20s and they've been on bloody field trips to Iceland with uh, Millfield and, you know, got all these accolades. And they walk in like the finished product. So if you are interviewing a handful of guys, some guys are scared of their own shadow and the other ones have, I don't know, been hunting polar bears for three weeks. Like, you go, yeah, I, I quite like that guy. Yeah. I'll bring him in. I guess it's like... Charlie Yules is someone who could, Charlie like, perfect talk, talks yeah. incredibly well. That's a great example. Very articulate, affable, likable guy, and people follow him for that. People follow Ed- Ellis Genge because he's an abs- he's a nasty, like nice guy, it's hard as nails, loyal teammate. But he is someone you want to go. Yeah, I'm right behind you, mate. On yeah, the, on those intangibles as well. I think there's the the corporate speak, the um, relationship with the press, the way that they act in that. That is the most common interface for us to see their intangibles. Yep. Yep. That's only a very small and, and, and layer we, of their if intangibles. We did that, guess who would be terrible? Uh, Owen Farrell. Owen Farrell would be awful. Would be awful. The worst player. The, probably the bigger. That's like the tip of the iceberg that we see. Yeah. But the reality is the hard yards yeah. you put in training, the dedication, was, the discipline. It was Adam Carolla, who's someone that JB you introduced yeah. to back back at the start of the podcast. In fact, we you had him on the, on the podcast. We had, we had Adam Carolla on the podcast. Do you not remember that? Oh my god, yeah. yeah. We interviewed Adam Carolla. Oh my god. Back wow. <laughs> wow, he's like a podcasting giant. <laughs> That's like the sort of Joe, Joe Rogan's in a league yeah, ball of his yeah, own. Yeah. Below that, Adam Carolla would be. Adam Carolla used to have the biggest podcast in the world before Joe, wow. Joe, Joe Rogan. Anyway, he's on um, Adam Carolla uh, says there's a you can draw a direct inverse graph between money earned and basically corporate speak like like yeah. knocking back like saying nothing yes the, the line the more you earn the less you say because the bigger the risk of saying something that gets taken out of context context misconstrued and all the rest of that's it that's why um I no, do love it. I do love um, seeing Elon Musk on Twitter just because he just totally books that trend. He just ignores it because well, I guess he has enough money. money. He really does. He has money. Well, talking of sports stars, well, one that's just lost, um, who's got a lot of money but does talk a lot, is Novak Djokovic. Dro- love that guy. He just love lost. that man. Lost, unfortunately. Has yeah. he? Fifth has set. He? Fair play to the young lad. But yeah. uh, I, I, I love Novak. Yeah. Uh, Bloody hero. Biggest, biggest sporting hero since Mohammed 
Ali probably. That that's that, that's what that's where, where I place him. And he talks. He talks and says exact. D- despite the risk, he says exactly what he thinks, and it's cost him money. He yep. did. He, he talked uh, very vociferously about uh, being a vegan for an extended period of time as well, and then gave that up when he was affecting his performance. Didn't Good he? For him. <laughs> Good for him. Good for him. Hey, when <laughs> when, um, when the facts change, so should your mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's on next week, rugby wise? Uh, it's, a, it's a rest week in the rugby championship. Mm-hmm. Lazy so and sos. Only just. <laughs> and then uh, Eddie Jones said, "If I was New Zealand, I'd watch out." I've seen oh, that. Yeah. I've seen that headline. Oh yeah. Watch out for what exactly? <laughs> just like I wonder if what goes through Eddie's mind. What, the second he said that, do you think in his head he went, "Oh no, I've done it again," or do you think he was like, "I know what I'm going to say. I, I, I'm going to get everyone talking about me till the till the next game." Does Eddie really? Uh, do you think Eddie really believes in his plans? I think he does. That's the weird thing about Eddie. I really think he believes that he has the answers to rugby. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. He's never won the biggest prize, but he's. Been involved outside of the people that have the few people that have he's come well, closer he, than anybody yeah he was not head coach but he was involved in the south africa 2007 setup wasn't he Un- with jake white he Correct. never wore the blazer he, he, did he not never as a point of principle he never wore the blazer so he was involved in that but then he's took two so he's been involved in three world cup finals two unsuccessfully as head coach one successfully as an uh, i don't even know what his title was senior coach let's call him because it's it is a bit odd to be, to be one like, very successful with the Brumbies, then v- very successful with Australia, then step down to be an assistant for um, South Africa four years later, yeah. and then kind of go a bit everywhere. He was at Saracens. He was in Japan. He was God knows where else, and, and then, then went to Japan permanently for twenty fifteen. Yeah. Do you know who Eddie has a very strange relationship with? Checker. Nope. Someone in the northwest, Steve Diamond. Who's worked for him? In the northwest, when he's when he's going coming through the coaching ranks. Oh, Alex Anderson. At Alex Anderson. They've got a phenomenally strange relationship. Interesting. Now, have a look, and I recommend all of our listeners do this. Google Charlie Morgan's. Um, is it an interview with Alex Anderson, or is it? It's an article, basically, about Eddie Jones during his time time at the Reds. And it was just a complete disaster. And the reason it's interesting is because Alex Sanderson was um, like a junior coach, like making his way through. And, the Reds? Yeah. Wow. Worked with the Reds. And it documents, I think, the Reds' worst ever results in <laughs> South, South Africa. It's just worth a read. It's just a really well-written, really interesting piece with two rugby characters who've gone on to do diff- like different things. And you can look at it in the context mm. of, the, of their success now. So I'd recommend that because it's brilliant. Um, Very interesting. Little callback. Datsun 1200. Yeah. Uh, I think it's the Australian name or certain um, Pacific name for a Nissan Sunny, like a 1980s Nissan Sunny. So that there, that lovely beige I mean, saloon. I, we all knew that, didn't we? Is a uh, oh, Datsun 1200. Cool do, do you know who collects uh, uh, Datsuns? Adam Crawler. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Datsun I heard. Where did I hear this? That. Um, Vintage cars, eighties. It's like eighties cars are the ones where where the massive money is changing no, no, hands. No, 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 no. Oh because, yes, because like yeah. because the age that people are that have the money now to buy their uh, car, they they go after the 
the 1980s the BMW. Car. Yeah, the like yeah. like a box fresh M M M3. Yes, yeah. it's worth a fortune. Yeah. Absolute fortune. Sierra Cosworth. Whereas ones that are like oh, the Sierra Cosworth. Whereas sort of like sixties seventies cars are. Or 50s, 50s, 60s, 70s cars are not fashionable in the way that they were. So yeah, their, their value is dropping, and 80s, 90s cars. I don't think they're up. dropping. I think what will be happening is their value is re- rising slower. So, oh, okay. Yeah, so all classic cars, if you're into this sort of thing, basically go up in volume. So there is a, a section, and we need to stop the podcast now because we're talking about vintage cars. But <laughs> there is a section in most motoring magazines about classic cars about cars on the turn where cars are starting to get more valuable when you when you buy sorry when you sell them after you buy them so it's like Honda Honda S, S2000s they are getting more valuable Lotus Elise is incredibly valuable yeah a guy I worked with bought what was about a five year old Elise um, in 2007 something like that and it's worth now about three or four times what he paid for it yeah Wow. So, yeah. Well, there you go. And now, if you own a barn, Tim, do you own that, a barn? That'll be people that were kids. <laughs> that, that'll be people that were kids uh, who wanted, like, I wanted an old school Vespa when I was a kid. Yep. And so I bought myself a 1963 Vespa. Are you aware of what the coolest cars from the 80s are? And this is the last thing I'll set down cars. Coolest cars from the 80s. A, a Ford Escort Cabriolet? No, look <laughs> these up, right? Oh, that is cool, but look this up. It is all of the World Rally Class B cars. Oh. And, and it had to be banned because in, in the end it was too dangerous and too guys. What were you saying up. about barns? Huh? What were you saying about barns? <laughs> oh, you, people uh, to keep car collections. Yeah, in. you need a barn. Do you have a barn, Tim? You did have a barn until recently. Uh, I have a you barn. You messed up here. I have a couple of barns. Do you have a, do you have a barn? Get, fill it with classic cars. You will never, ever regret it. Oh, here we go. So I'm on the w- Group B, uh, Rally Group B Wikipedia page. The first car is an Audi Sport Quattro yeah. S1E2. Lovely boxy thing. Yeah, beautiful. The gorgeous. second car is a Rothman's Rothman. Well, it's not actually. I was expecting to see a Lancia Rothman's Pro Drive Porsche 911 SCRS. So this all got with banned the when two guys basically drove well, off a mountain and burned to death. The next, the next two cars are. It's pretty in- incongruous that they're next to each other. The Isle of Man still goes. Yeah, but, but they, people they, die every year in that. Yeah, no, this you've got to really see, do, some of the videos on the, the watch Manx the, TT and nuts. Go onto YouTube and just type in Rally Class B and just watch the highlights. It is like nothing you've seen. Like the crowd are parting like the Sea of Galilee as these cars are racing through and eventually two guys drove off a mountain in uh, Monte Carlo and died. Like, yeah, we've got to stop this boys. This is getting this is getting nuts. But yeah, it was it's well worth a watch. Wow. L- Lancia 037 there. Uh, before we finish the pod and Phil has to go, uh, quick mention of the under-20s rugby, cha- uh, rugby championship final. France are a serious team. And My is that the last three me. years that they've won it now? Yeah. Well, it, it hasn't been on for... The, oh, the last okay. one was 2019. Okay. But they won 2018, 2019, and they've now won... The I, I, so the- I read a quote today from the Irish. or sorry, Yeah, I read it today. I don't know when the quote was from. Presumably after the final against France and the Irish lad saying we've never faced a, faced a team like that doesn't surprise me. Really, that that French French they team is serious. Their front five is unbelievable. If, if they were, if they, if that under twenties team were put into the World Cup proper, <laughs> depending on which group they made, they do all right. Yeah, yeah, they. You could actually see them qualifying depending on which group they they fell into. Tell you what, next year is the year of top fourteen for me. You're gonna get into it. That's 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 is what I I will be watching. The, the, the whole of the French, the, the, just so many players in that French team. But Gazzotti, the number eight, is 
ace and the the scrum half as you know Fr- France, they're a bit short of scrum halves. Yeah, they could do an extra one, couldn't could they? do an extra one. But the, the, I think those are the two standouts. But just the front five, just... Was it their tight end prop or was it the loose head prop? I can't remember which one it was, but it's absolute beast. And these kids are... Oh, and Poso Tuolangi is uh, 18, 150 kgs. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, he's got another two years of playing in that if he chooses to. Which he won't, surely. He'll want He'll to be in like the Six Nations or something. Yeah, potentially. Who's he contracted to? Who's his club team? Is it Perpignan? It's Perpignan where his dad played. Henry. Henry. He can't stay there for long, can he? They're not top four. They're pretty dear. They were top 14 last year, weren't they? Did they get relegated? I think they've been relegated. Mm. I thought he helped them get promoted. Or, or maybe they've gone back up. I do not know. I thought that... Next year I'll be an absolute yeah. expert on top 14, so don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. We are pretty weak at the moment. Um, let's just have a look. 2023 yeah they finished second bottom in the so they they, they won the playoff to yes. stay up I thought they were playing in it last year hmm there we go right let's uh, bring it home we've done rally cars so I don't think there's much else to do so they, there were two other games next week that I did find uh, it's Fiji versus Tonga which oh, will actually be an interesting game if good. you can watch it although it does save time to be determined um whatever that means that's professional isn't it? yeah <laughs> uh, and this is on the tribe app which it is generally better than uh, ultimate rugby don't but, it, no, don't believe but it's not 100% infallible um, and Japan versus Samoa as well so there you go very good very good right um, there you go thanks for listening let the boys play let the boys play perfect Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.